You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 45. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 45. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How are you? I am amazing. I am fantastic. <laughs> I'm actually the same I usually am every week, but I notice it's I tend to be like most humans and focus on the negative and what's not working. And I'm going to try and switch that around. So I am going to say today, I am blessed. I am fabulous. So we've got a hot topic today. But before we get started, I just want to say I am looking for two moms who consider themselves to be people pleasers, who are dreading the holidays because they've got family members that they don't want to see or that they always get in conflict with and they're going to have to deal with them around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so if this sounds like you, I would love to hear from you. Email me at tori at lifecoachingforparents.com. That's T-O-R-I-E at lifecoachingforparents.com. So if you are people-pleasing mama who's dreading the holidays, I would love to hear from you. Today's episode is about a Halloween party gone wrong. (laughs) So today, Ashley writes, last night was Halloween and my daughter, age 16, straight A's, athlete, good kid, invited some friends over for a Halloween party in the basement. There were about 10 teens, boys and girls, hanging out, playing party games, watching Stranger Things. My husband and I were home, keeping a distant eye on them. We heard happy sounds coming from the basement. One of the parents must have pulled up to our house and texted, I'm here, because two kids came upstairs, said goodbye, and walked out the door. They reeked of alcohol as they walked past. I ran downstairs and found the kids had snuck one of our bottles of liquor and mixed it with their sodas. They had all been drinking. It was a school night. One girl even drove herself, so I had to drive her home, leaving her car at our house. I am so livid, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to my daughter, to the other parents who trusted me to supervise their kids. My husband doesn't think it's a big deal. He says it's totally normal, and I'm sure it is, but for some reason that is not helping me. I want to do the right thing, but I don't know what that is. Ashley. Okay, so I will start with the parent educator answer, but you can hear how much emotion she is in. You know, if this if we were friends sitting down to drink, I would definitely start with compassion. Like, I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this. I am sorry that you feel duped by your daughter. But honestly, so grateful that nothing bad happened as a result of your unintentional Halloween party. As I'm sure you are aware, there could have been some pretty dire consequences from hosting a party with alcohol to minors. And it sounds like you know that, and that's what's maybe freaking you out a little bit, making you upset. So 
it sounds like a good time was had. (laughs) No one was puking. No one got in trouble. I can't tell from your question if the other parents are aware that drinking occurred, but it sounds like knowing what to say to them as well as your daughter is what you want help with. So your daughter needs to experience consequences for her actions, but since nothing bad actually happened, you might want to impose some consequences of your own. My parent education answer is for you and your husband to sit down with your daughter when everyone is calm and talk to her using these four steps. Step number one, calmly and clearly explain the problem. You can probably guess that the calm and clear part is what I will address when we get down to the life coaching answer, because Ashley is definitely not feeling calm and clear right now. And so we'll get to how to get there. But I'll tell you first, step one Give your daughter some factual information. It is against the law to serve alcohol to minors. The reason the drinking age is 21 is that the brain is in an active growing period during the teen years. Whatever substance you introduce during this time can cause the brain to form around it, building a dependency. Around 25, the frontal lobes of the brain are fully formed, and therefore, it is a better age to introduce any mind-altering substance like alcohol. If one of your friends had driven home intoxicated, they could have lost their license, they could have been arrested, they could have paid a fine, they could have hurt someone or killed someone or themselves. The consequences of your simple act of stealing and drinking alcohol could have been tragic. It is also possible that your dad and I could have been arrested, sued, pay some big fines, and have this incident permanently on our criminal record because we are liable. If alcohol is being served to minors in our home, your dad and I are the ones who are responsible. When people drink alcohol, they're more likely to engage in risk-taking behaviors. It impairs judgment and leads to making poor decisions. Okay, so this is basically you're just giving him some background information. And the factual information, this is basically kind of explaining to your daughter why you're upset. So you've got to flesh this all out on paper would be my suggestion first before you just start talking because you're so emotional right now that really write down everything that your brain is telling you could have gone wrong and why you are upset. Step two is to explain the real and current problem. So you want to continue to talk to her about the current problem. So that was all like what could have happened, why it was a big deal, you know, all the things that could have gone wrong and why it's against the law and that it is against the law. That was step one. Okay, step two is what's the actual current problem and listen to her side of the story. So you could say something like, we are very grateful that none of those things happened. So the biggest problem facing us today is that we lost trust in you. Trust is something that takes a long time to build, but can be lost in an instant. Even if you apologize and say you will never do this again, we can't trust that. You will need to earn back our trust by showing us through actions over time that you are telling the truth. We would like to understand what was going through your head last night. What motivated this action? What were you thinking and feeling? Please tell us your side of the story so that we can get a clearer picture from your perspective. So the reason I like to hear their side of the story 
is, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, you want to get some information. Is your daughter really susceptible to peer pressure? And, you know, that's kind of just good information to know. Is there one person in the bunch who was really forceful, maybe brought their own alcohol, you know, encouraged the stealing, actually stole it? We don't know. You just want to kind of get some more information. And the reason is, is because she violated your trust. You lost trust in her. So now you're, you need to know what can you trust. Can you trust your daughter to be susceptible to peer pressure? Can you trust your daughter to steal alcohol from your liquor cabinet? Can you trust your daughter moving forward to be looking for opportunities for drinking and partying? You just kind of want to know. It's time to recalibrate what you can trust her to do, seek out, and kind of plan for the future. Can you trust her to lie to you? Can you trust her to not tell you? Like you say, I want to hear your side of the story. And she's like, there's nothing to tell. And she doesn't open up. She doesn't share anything with you. Okay, well, then now you know that. You can trust her to not tell you, okay? It's this way we play around with words that makes us feel better. Step three, impose consequences. You can ask your daughter what consequences she thinks would be appropriate. And I'd be so curious to see what she came up with. Or you can decide on some yourself. Just make sure you and your husband are on the same page and you both agree. For example, we would like you to write a letter of apology to the parents of each friend who were at our house on Halloween. You don't need to say that their child was drinking, as you really don't know. They could have been faking it or something. Just let them know that alcohol was served and you now understand how serious the consequences of this could have been. They trusted you to be a positive influence on their teenager and you violated their trust as well. Your dad and I will also be calling the parents to let them know what happened because that's just the responsible thing to do. The liquor cabinet will remain locked from now on and you won't be allowed to attend or host parties for the remainder of the school year. So that's just an example of some consequences that you could impose. Depending on your daughter's version of the story, you might want to restrict access to certain people or revoke driving privileges, things like that. But the more open you can be and like show her that you're willing to hear her side of the story and that you're very calm, the more information she might be willing to fess up. Like, yes, I've got this one friend who seems to you know, want to drink a lot, or she's, that's kind of always her MO. And, or maybe you can hear from your daughter that she was worried too about her driving home. And she tends to drink while intoxicated frequently, and that concerns her. So you just kind of want to see where's your daughter's head at when it comes to all these peer relationships and alcohol. And then step four is to follow through. Make sure you follow through on the consequences you impose or she will learn that you don't mean what you say, right? And then she can do whatever she wants, that you're just going to get mad and then that's it. You want to trust her again. So model that for her by showing her what trust looks like. So trust means meaning what you say and saying what you mean. So if you're going to impose a consequence, make sure you can Follow through with it with 100% predictability. So the four steps are, step one, calmly and clearly explain the problem. You know, your daughter probably does not know all the consequences and the bad things that could happen. It sounds like your husband might not even know either. Like, it could be pretty dire. So make sure everybody's up to date on the legal responsibilities of uh, parents when the alcohol is served to minors in their home. 
Step number two, explain the real and current problem for you. It sounds like the biggest problem is you lost trust in her. Number three, impose consequences. And number four, follow through. So the juicy part is getting to the life coaching answer. Before you can do any of those four steps, you need to give yourself some much needed TLC and compassion. You've got a whole bunch of negative emotions spinning around. I heard anger, fear, and the big daddy of all sucky emotions, shame. Anger is a quick and easy default emotion for most of us, right? Like we can go to anger. (laughs) Usually that's pretty simple. Not for everybody, but most of us mamas. We can get mad that she violated your trust, that she lied, that she stole, that she was dishonest. Like that's just... That just sucks. (laughs) In its healthiest form, anger is a signal that an injustice has taken place. Your daughter violated your trust, and that sucks. Fear is, in what I heard, is the future thinking. Worrying about what could have gone wrong, what the other parents are thinking about you and your daughter. Worrying about things you don't have control over, whether a teenager drives while intoxicated, You know, you can apologize and you can inform the other parents, but then we've got to let it go because fear and worry are a waste of energy and don't serve anyone. I think gratitude that nothing bad happened would be a better emotion. Sometimes we stay stuck in worry and regret and remorse and like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't, this is a terrible situation. It's like as to show that we really care and we really get that, you know, these parents trusted me and I, and my daughter blew it. And so we kind of stay stuck in yucky emotions. It's like a way to show that we care, but it really does not help. It doesn't help the other parents. It doesn't help the teenagers. It doesn't help you. So shame is the emotion that we all dread feeling. Nobody likes feeling shame, but we all have it. So it's worth getting to know it. The way I think about it is like embarrassment means I did something wrong. Shame means I am wrong. Like something is wrong with me and I'm a bad person because of it. Resisting it and running away from shame will make it last forever. If you can allow it, say hello to it and confess it to a compassionate witness, it will go away. Just because shame is common, it doesn't mean it needs to be there. Shame is an emotion that's coming from a thought inside our heads. Your daughter snuck alcohol and served it to her friends. This doesn't make you a bad person. My hunch is you're thinking some pretty bad things about yourself. Something like, the other parents are going to think I'm a bad person. The other parents won't trust me with their kids. I'm untrustworthy and irresponsible. Something that is coming from a perfectionistic part of your brain that says, I'm either a good person or a bad person. And because this incident happened in my house, under my roof, on my watch, it must mean I'm a bad person. Your husband does not share this black and white thinking. He's not worried about what other people will think, and he doesn't see it as a mark against his character. He might be mad that she violated his trust, but he's not making it mean that he has done anything wrong. It is very common for parents to enmesh with their kids and feel shame when their child does something wrong. And my hunch is that that could be happening here too. Because your daughter made a mistake, 
you feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed. But your daughter made the mistake. You didn't. You didn't make the mistake. When you can recognize that you didn't do anything wrong, that you're a good person and worthy of trust, then it will be much easier to problem solve this situation with your daughter. Right now, there's too much overlapping and over-identifying of the ego, where because your daughter made a mistake, you feel guilty. Okay, so we've got to let that go and separate that out and say, I can be an excellent mother with a daughter who makes mistakes. With a daughter who does things wrong, I can still be a good mom, which I can hear in your question. That's where you're trying to get to. You're like, I want to do the right thing, but I don't know what that is. That's because all the shame, fear, and anger is getting in your way. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is shame. It's the classic kryptonite because the kryptonite is that thing that drains our energy that we don't even know is there. According to the dictionary, shame is a painful feeling of humiliation caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. What this means to me is that shame, this horribly toxic emotion that makes us want to crawl under a rock, comes from the belief inside our head that we have about ourselves. It comes from a thought that we're disgraceful, that we're not worthy of compassion, that we are not good enough. When it sits in us unnoticed, this feeling of shame, it causes us to act desperately. The reason I'm presuming that Ashley is spiraling in shame is because of her level of desperation that came through in the text. Shame causes us to act desperately, craving acceptance because we are unable to give it to ourselves. If she could really feel like, I'm a good mom, I didn't do anything wrong, and she truly believed that, she would feel probably the way her husband does. But she's wanting to do the right thing And I'm so glad she wrote in. I mean, probably just writing that down helped her feel better. But this craving acceptance because we're unable to give it to ourselves. The most self-destructive behaviors, addiction, violence, bullying, eating disorders, all have an element of shame to them. And the other parents from shame, it would not come out the way she wanted it to. So that's like her higher self saying, she says, I haven't said anything yet. And I always think that's the higher self saying, yeah, this isn't the right energy from which to say something, right? You want to wait until this you've shifted out of this emotion. Because when we act from negative emotion, we get a negative result. So the good news is that shame can only live in the dark. Once we shine a compassionate light on it, it cannot survive. Telling your story to a compassionate witness, as Ashley did by writing this question, will help her find compassion for herself. When she can feel like a loving, caring mom despite her daughter's alcohol party, she will find the courage to have the necessary conversations from a calm and peaceful place. Today's Supermom Power Boost is understanding your shame spiral. So there are days when you just feel horrible for no reason. You get mad at your husband, you complain to your sister, you vent with a girlfriend, and you take it out on the kids. But it doesn't go away. You keep beating the same drum, looking to feel better. 
When you're doing this, chances are you're in a shame spiral. A shame spiral is continually thinking negative thoughts about yourself that isolate you from others. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. They're better than me. Complaining and blaming is our attempt to connect, looking for forgiveness and acceptance. So understanding how you act when you're in a shame spiral will boost your energy next time you find yourself in one. So sometimes just putting a name on something makes a crazy out of control emotion feel manageable. Right. So like when you're in this place where you just feel horrible and you're like trying to like talk to people and complain and blame and nothing's working, nothing's getting better. Sometimes just saying, oh, I'm in a shame spiral is going to make you feel better. But then confessing to somebody else saying or digging in on your journal and trying to like download all your thoughts and go, what is it I'm thinking about me that's making me stay stuck in this negative place? Like, what am I believing about myself? Then that will help you feel better. So how do you act when you're in a shame spiral? I think that's today's super mom power boost is to figure out what it is that you do when you're in a shame spiral. Mine is a two-part response. First, I get mad and blame everyone around me for making me feel bad. Then, once I realize I'm in a shame spiral, I call people that I know love me and I ask them to tell me why they like me and why I'm a good person. (laughs) You know, self-coaching is wonderful and I do a lot of self-coaching on paper in my journal, but there's nothing like hearing it from somebody else. When you are thinking these thoughts inside your head that make you feel shamed and isolated and not as good as everybody else and separated from, you know, your social peer group. And then you go to that social peer group and you tell them, you say, I don't feel like I am worthy of love and compassion and forgiveness. Please tell me why you think I'm worthy. It just goes such a long way. It's so helpful. Shame is a natural human emotion and a sign that you're not a sociopath. (laughs) So it's nothing to be embarrassed about, right? Like it's a good thing that you have shame. I mean, because it's, you know, this healthy personal development, but you don't want to stay in it because it's really believing a thought that isn't true. Like you are worthy of love and compassion. We all are worthy of love and compassion even if we do things wrong. In this case, I think the mom is doing it because she thinks her daughter did something wrong and she should feel guilty for that. But when we understand how we act when we're in a shame spiral and what to do to make us feel better, we can bring the shame out of the dark where it controls us and move into compassion. When we have empathy and compassion for ourselves, it's easier to act courageously and in ways that we are proud of, which is what I feel like this situation is really calling for. Both Ashley and her daughter are going to need to find their courage to act in a way that they're proud of in order to deal with this situation. Today's quote of the day, if you put shame in a Petri dish, there are three ingredients it needs to grow exponentially, secrecy, silence, and judgment. 
If you put the same amount of shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it cannot survive. Brene Brown. And if you think you have a lot of shame or you're interested in reading more, I highly recommend Brene Brown's books, her famous TED Talk. You can go on YouTube and check it out. She's really uh, an expert in the field. So check her out. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will wish you lots of love and compassion today and tell you that you are good enough as you are and you are so worthy and I know it just because you have blood in your body, just because you are human and humans make mistakes. I have compassion for you and love and acceptance and I hope that you can find that and give that to yourself as well. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.